Today is um, today Sunday. Praise God. It's the Lord's Day. Every day is the Lord's Day. Uh, but today is Pentecost Sunday. Or, as the Jews would call it, the Feast of Shavuot. Um, and before we take communion, I just want to share some things with you. Um, you know, everything God did, uh, we talk about this a lot. The Word of God was given to us. Old Testament, New Testament. This, what we call the canon of Scripture, what you call your Bible. This has been given to us to reveal really one thing, and that is to reveal Christ. From the very beginning, when God says, in the beginning God created, to the very end, where John makes this declaration, even so, come Lord Jesus. This is about Christ. This word is about Christ. Everything God did was about Christ. Everything he did was to reveal Christ to us. And one thing that we do as a church each week when we come together is we come to the table of the Lord and we take communion. We take the bread and we take the cup. We remember the body and we remember the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to take just a few minutes today, since it is Pentecost Sunday, and and I want to just share a little bit um, before you come to the table. Because I want want to help you understand, um, hopefully, through the Word of God, that God by His Spirit would just give you a a deeper revelation of what it is when you come to that table and you take that wafer and you take that cup, that you don't just see it as a wafer in a cup, that this isn't just a part of the service and it becomes some dead tradition, but this is something so vital for us. It affirms who we are. It affirms who Christ is. It affirms that we're not separate, though we're all diverse individuals. We are one body under one head that of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was made possible by God, and that was made possible specifically by the work that Christ finished on the cross. Now, we're going to talk more in depth about that work today. We're we're going to study 1 Corinthians chapter 3, but I want to just kind of give us a precursor and talk just a little bit about the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Shavuot, and what that means, why that's important for us today. And so... Uh, Just very quickly, in the book of Exodus, I'm not going to spend a lot of time reading. I'm going to give you some references. And, you know, I always encourage you, bring your Bible, bring a notepad and a a pen so you can write some things down. Then you go home and you spend some time and you make sure that Pastor Jeff is really giving you the Word of God, not just his opinion, okay? It's really important. My opinion doesn't really count for anything. What really counts is what God's Word declares because God's Word is eternal, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but men's opinions change like the wind. But God doesn't change, amen? So that's why it's important when we preach and when we teach, we preach and we teach not our opinions, but we preach and we teach the Scripture because the Scripture is eternal. And it is the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? So in the book of Exodus, let me find my place. Uh, For instance, uh, if you go to Exodus 19... Exodus 19, verse 1, it says, In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. So we're three months out of Egypt, okay? They came to the wilderness of Sinai. 
And Moses goes up to the mountain. This is Mount Sinai where Moses received the law. He received the commandments. He received the judgment. And so what we see here recorded in in Exodus 19 is Israel, Moses receives the word of the Lord. He receives the commandment. And basically God is saying, Israel, my people, will you hear my word? Will you accept my word? Will you live by my word? And in Exodus 19, it says, Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. So the people affirmed the covenant. Okay? Now this was three months out of Egypt. We know, based on the Scripture, what the Scripture teaches us, that Israel spent 40 years, they spent the next 40 years wandering around in the wilderness uh, because although they said God, they said to God, we'll do everything you say, God, we see over and over that Israel fell into unbelief constantly, constantly, constantly. And for 40 years they wandered the wilderness. Now, what's significant is the Feast of Pentecost, what we call Pentecost. The word Pentecost is really just a Greek word that, that means 50. Okay, Pentecost, or the Feast of Shavuot, Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. What's significant about Passover? Passover is when God gave his lamb. Do you know that a lamb was never given for a sin offering? Lambs were never given up for a sin offering. It was always a goat that was given for a sin offering. Uh, Goats or bulls, but it was never a lamb that was given for a sin offering. The lamb was given as a peace offering. But yet John the Baptist, the last Old Testament prophet who pronounced the coming of the Messiah, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thus, John's prophetic authority by the inspiration of the Holy Scripture declares, here is the Lamb, the ultimate Lamb that God will provide, and this Lamb will take away the sins of the world. He will also, by the way, bring peace. What did the angels proclaim? Peace on earth, goodwill to all men. Who declared peace? Man didn't declare peace. God declared peace. And to prove God's declaration of peace, he sent his lamb, the one slain before the foundations of the world, the one that was the eternal purpose of God. He sent his lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die, to take our sin, to take our judgment, to take our death on the cross. And so in in Sinai, the people said, yes, Lord, And they received the word of the Lord. Now, this is significant. This is what the Feast of Pentecost is about. A lot of people have other ideas about what the Feast of Pentecost is about, but this is really what it is. It was the receiving of the word of the Lord at Sinai. Now, let's let's fast forward a few hundred years, okay? And let's go to the book of Jeremiah. book of Jeremiah, let's go to the 31st chapter. Jeremiah 31, 33. Now, Israel is in captivity again. Remember, at the first feast of Shavuot, at Sinai, they had just come out of captivity. They'd spent 430 years in Egypt. They'd just come out of captivity 
and they're celebrating at the foot of the mountain and they say, yes, Lord, we will receive your word. Now we fast forward several centuries and we find Egypt in captivity again, not in e- I mean, Israel in captivity again, not in Egypt, but now in Babylon. And from captivity, the prophet Jeremiah writes to them, giving them hope. And look what Jeremiah declares. Jeremiah 31, 33. But this is, well, let's, let's look at verse 32. Well, let's look at verse 31. Let's read it in context. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I... This is real important. Look at this. If you have a highlighter, if you have a pencil, a pen, underline these words. Underline this phrase. In the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. You notice how God led them out of Egypt? He took them by the hand. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Verse 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah of a day coming when God will establish a new covenant. Not like the one he established when he took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, but one in which he will put his word in their heart and in their minds. Now, let's fast forward a few more centuries, okay? And let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Jesus is teaching. And in John chapter 6, let's begin in verse 48, John 6, 48. Jesus makes this declaration, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. You know how long they ate the manna? They ate the manna 40 years. The whole time they were in the wilderness, they ate manna. Jesus said, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. You know where the manna came down from? It came down from heaven. Jesus said, your, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. They ate the bread that came down from heaven, but that bread was only a picture. It was only a shadow to point you to a bread that would come one day. I am the bread of life. Man, people say Jesus never declared himself to be God. I mean, Jesus made it so clear throughout his words throughout those words recorded in the gospel, he declared himself to be very clearly God. I am the living bread, verse 51, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And then verse 53, Jesus says something that that was very hard for people to hear and very hard for them to receive. Verse 53, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I and live, and I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. And as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. And says so they all rejoiced greatly and in, in, in decided to follow Jesus. No, it says, and many said in that day, this saying is too hard. And they turned around and they departed and followed him no more. This is the danger of a politically correct church and a politically correct gospel. If we preach a gospel that's trying to get men to accept, or or really the better way to say it is if we preach a gospel that's trying to make God acceptable to sinners, we're not preaching the true gospel. Because the gospel never calls us to make God acceptable to sinners. The gospel calls us to become acceptable to God. And the only way that we can become acceptable to God is to be crucified with Christ, to be buried with him, and to be raised in his life. Jesus said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. You must partake of me, the living bread. How do we understand this? Now let's go over to Acts chapter 2. Now remember... There was a covenant at Sinai. The covenant when God took Israel by the hand and led them out of Egypt. Jeremiah, writing from the Babylonian captivity, says there is a covenant coming one day, a new covenant that God will make. Not like the one when he took you by the hand and led you out of Egypt, but a new covenant in which I'll write, God will write his word on your heart and put it in your mind. Israel is at Sinai. They're wandering in the wilderness, eating the bread that comes down from heaven. But they die. And they don't understand what this bread is speaking of. Jesus comes and he gives us the commentary. This is why I say the best commentary for the Bible is the Bible. If you want to know what the manna represents, just go to the words of Jesus in John 6 and he'll tell you what the manna all meant. Okay? It wasn't just so that they could have manna sandwiches. It was giving them a picture of God's eternal plan and purpose. So we come to the the day of Pentecost. It's now 50 days after the Passover, after God had sent his lamb to die for our sins on the cross. And the cross, now keep this in mind, church. We're going to talk about the cross today. We're going to talk, we should talk about the cross all the time. But the cross is not just the death of Jesus. The cross, when I say the cross, when Paul says, I know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. He didn't just mean, I only know a dead Jesus hanging on the cross. No, Paul says what the cross is, what the cross represents, what Christ crucified means. It means his death. It means his burial. It means his resurrection. It means his ascension to glory. He has taken the throne. He is the one who is ruling all things. His name is the name above all names. His power and his authority is the power and the authority above all power and authority. We do not serve a God who is reacting to man and to a devil. We serve a God who wrote his eternal plan and purpose before creation. And we are, by grace, partakers of that. 
divine nature by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now on Pentecost, the church is gathered. Jesus says, before you do anything, go to Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father? Jesus spoke of it in Luke 11. He said, if you ask, your heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit. If you do what? If you ask. You fathers, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your son. How much more will your heavenly Father, if you ask him, give to you the Holy Spirit? Well, now this is something that is just unheard of among the Jews. Go to Acts chapter 2. You guys are getting two sermons for the price of one today, okay? I'm just going to tell you that. I haven't even got to my message in 1 Corinthians yet, so... In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost had fully come. Notice God throws that word in there when it had fully come. There were lots of Pentecost before. There were lots of Feast of Shavuot before then. We had 1,500 years of them. But, but this was the one that was the ultimate fulfillment of what the others all foreshadowed and testified of. Here comes this mighty rushing wind, and the Spirit of God says in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other, with other tongues. That word tongues means languages. There were men from every nation there. Why were there men from every nation? Because it was the Feast of Pentecost. It was one of three feasts that God commanded every male to appear before him in Jerusalem. So that means if you were a Jew living in Rome, if you were a Jew living in Crete, if you were a Jew living in in Arabia, if you were a Jew living wherever, you were commanded to come to Jerusalem and appear before the Lord. And so there were men who spoke all kinds of languages there. When they were filled with the Spirit, they came out. And it says, those people heard them declaring the wonderful works of God, each in their own language. But what is the point of this? People were confused and they said, what does this mean? Are these guys drunk? Listen, I'm hearing them declare the words of God in my own language. Peter comes down and here Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us what this means. Acts 2.17. Acts 2.16. The words of Peter. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. You know how you got your New Testament? Because there was an Old Testament. Don't throw out your Old Testament. They preached. They taught. They used the Old Testament scriptures to show men Christ. And your New Testament is really just wonderful commentary what God had already put in the Old Testament to reveal Christ to us. Peter says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Oh. When did the last days begin? They begin right then. It shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons, daughters, young, old, maidservants, men servants. I'll pour out my spirit. They shall prophesy. Up until that point, who received the Holy Spirit? If you weren't a prophet, you weren't a king, guess what? You weren't a priest. It was prophets, priests, and kings who were anointed with the Holy Spirit. Us common folk, we didn't fall into one of those three categories. We had to depend on a prophet, priest, or a king. But God says, I'm going to make a new covenant with my people. I'm going to put my word in their hearts and in their minds. Matter of fact, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. Now, 
Why do you think the Bible says we are kings and priests unto our gods? So this all flesh speaks of the fact that God sealed his covenant. He signified the covenant that he would make with us by doing what? By pouring out his spirit and putting his spirit in us. You know how God confirmed the covenant that he will make with his people that he now makes with his people? You know how he's written his word on your heart and in your mind? He's done it because he has poured out his spirit into your heart because of his love for you. So when you become born again, at the moment that you are born from above, born of the spirit, God pours his spirit into you, writes his word on your heart, writes his word on your mind. That doesn't mean you shouldn't read the Bible. You need to read the Bible. Listen, the word is not just every word that appears in this book. Ultimately, the word is who? Christ is the word. God wrote Christ on your heart. God put Christ in your mind. God put Christ in you by the Holy Spirit. This is how he sealed the covenant with you. We're no longer children whom God takes by the hand. We now have the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In Pentecost or Shavuot, in the wilderness, spoke of that day when God would, according to his promise by the prophet Joel, pour out his spirit on all flesh. So I tell people now, I said, the problem is not that you lack something of God. The problem is you don't comprehend all of God that you have. Jesus is the fullness. If Jesus lives in you, that means the fullness lives in you. You're not lacking anything except perhaps the comprehension of that fullness that's in you. And now God has done something amazing. So Pentecost now doesn't mean that I get to speak in tongues. God will determine that. Pentecost now doesn't mean I get to heal people. God will determine who's healed. Pentecost doesn't mean I get to walk around and do miracles and show my power and show my gift. No, those things come by the power and the will of God as he administers them. We miss the major point of what Pentecost represents. Pentecost means God has put his word in me. He has put Christ in me, the hope of glory, by his spirit. He has sealed his covenant with me by putting his spirit in me. When the day of Pentecost fully came, it signified that the time had come when God would no longer, just for priests, prophets, and kings, anoint them with the power of the Spirit. But now God would, with all of his people, with all who are in Christ, they will now receive the Spirit of God. They will now receive the seal that God has covenanted with us, not by taking us by the hand and leading us somewhere, but by filling us and coming to dwell in us and making us the very vessels that contain his glory, the very vessel that he has poured his spirit and his word into. Today is the Feast of Shavuot. This is what we celebrate, the indwelling word of God. That's what it meant originally at Sinai. That's what it meant to the Jews all of this time. This is what it should mean for us. And every day that you live, Christian, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, God has poured his eternal word into you. 
by his spirit. He has written his word on your heart, in your mind. And this is the bread. This is our food. This is our meat that we are to eat. This is the word that represents the word, the living word, Jesus Christ, who gives us life eternal. Amen. So when we come to the table today, we take that bread and we take that cup. And the Bible is very specific. That bread, Jesus says, this bread is my body. This cup is my blood. That doesn't literally, that's not literally the body of Christ. And that's not literally the blood of Christ. But it's also more than just a symbol. It represents a reality, a powerful reality that we have become partakers of by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. So when we come to this table, take the bread and take the cup and thank God that he has covenanted with you, that he has poured his spirit into your very being and made you a partaker of the covenant.